Thanks for tuning in to our Neighborhood Church podcast. Join us on Sunday at any of our locations. To learn more about our church, visit neighborhoodchurch.com or download our church app. We are excited and so happy that you've chosen to be with us today. My name is Mike, and I'm one of the pastors here. And and we love the fact that uh, we can gather together, being that we're even so different. I'm even going around talking about what your favorite environment is, right? How many of you are spring people? You love the new flowers. You love all the freshness in the air. You don't like the allergies. Uh, how many of you are, are summer people? Summer is a place you love to be because it's warm and vacations and all of that. Okay, how many of you are the fall or pumpkin spice season people? Yeah, it's a, there's a nice Christmas in the air. Uh, there's fun to be there. Okay, so how many of you are our winter people? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Haley's still yelling out. Yeah. A few of you in there. We're all different. And yes, we have preferences because we feel in those environments very much alive. We feel uh, joy. We, we seem to do better and we thrive in those environments. And there are other elements of the environment that help us thrive. Most people thrive in a positive, affirming environment. Many thrive in a challenging atmosphere or on a team, or in a group that embraces our interests and goals. And of course, all of us thrive in an environment of love. Uh, plants are a great example of this. These are, uh, uh, they, they require a, a certain environment to be able to thrive. These are plants from my office. I love plants. Uh, it's funny because this, this uh, tall one used to be only about this big because it was on the other side of my office. When I put it next to the window, whoo, look at what happened. In the right environment, they thrive. This little guy here was uh, uh, shriveling in one part of my office. I moved him to another one right under the TV. I don't know what that means. Uh, but it's thriving and that, and, and others are, are, are doing well because it's, the key is to try to find the right environment for the plant. Now, what's interesting about plants is they don't move on their own usually. Now, there's some vines that creep to find the right light and the right environment, but they don't move, but we can. We can move in, in, into another environment. We can move into an environment that we can grow, where we can grow. Then we do that all the time. We go to school to learn to grow. We attend a cooking class, a dance class, an art class. We join a softball team. We go to the gym. Uh, we take an online course. We move into an environment that brings about growth. Well, this whole series that we've been walking through called Planted and with a, a, a complimentary devotional called Rooted has been a teaching series all about that, all about exploring the, the right elements of the environment to help us grow because God is the one who causes us to grow. And, and, and there are rhythms involved in that. And God can use these rhythms and these elements of the environment to grow us so our roots grow down deep and we flourish, producing godly character. Galatians uh, 5, 22 and 23, that says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are these nine aspects of the fruit of the spirit that grow out of us as our roots grow deep and as we are involved in the things of God in that great environment, also being involved in God's good works. Ephesians 2, 10, which our kids have been learning for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared hand that we should walk in them. And those good works, meaning to love our neighbor, <clears throat> to build godly families 
and being about God's purposes. So this fruit that we're developing is because we've been placed ourselves in that right environment where God grows us. We've been talking about the growth elements that God uses, but there's also an environment God uses. It's called the church. The church is not a place, but a people gathered. The church is not a building, but a body of believers. Yes, we gather in a place and in a building, but what happens there is the church. It's the connections, the interactions, the engagements where we are spurred on with one another. That's why Hebrews 10, 24, that we read at the beginning of our time, let us consider how to stir up. That word stir up means to, to help, to foster, to affirm, to encourage one another to love and good works. <clears throat> For the relationship of fellow believers is an environment God uses to cause us to flourish. Why is the church important? Well, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 21, gives us three main reasons and a bunch of practical actions we can go to to gain the most out of our time and interactions with fellow believers. Because the relationship with fellow believers is an environment God uses to cause us to flourish. So I'd like for this morning for us to explore this Bible passage in Romans chapter 12 and, 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 and look into it and see what God would have for us this morning. But before we do, if you wouldn't mind just setting your Bible, just aside and stand up and let's pray and ask God to encourage us. I'm glad that you're here today. And whether you're here or here online, I'm glad that you're with us. And so let's pray. Father God, thank you for this fun, uh, diverse body of believers that you have called together this morning. And some still on their way to coming to the place of faith, but God, I pray today would be a step for them an encouragement for all of us as we seek to know how to best participate and be involved in this wonderful thing called the church. So encourage us, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can have a seat and take out of the, the worship folder that Haley talked to you about. Uh, again, there's that prayer card. That is so important. Uh, honestly, it's really important to me. I know it's important to our staff and you to have prayer, but I, I hang on to these cards. They're on my desk all week long, and I pray for you on and off all throughout the week. And I prayed for a bunch of you this morning from last week. So please fill this out. Give me a prayer request because I would love to pray with you. But in the worship folder, there's an outline. There's some blanks to fill in. If that's too much for you and you would rather have a blank piece of paper, then pick one out and just write down some notes. Others of you would like to fill in the blanks. That's great. If you're online and looking for that, just grab a piece of paper. You can find it later because you can also pick up in our lobby area our study guide, which has all the answers to the fill in the blanks, the extra verses we use, and a lot of the questions that our life groups, our small groups use throughout. Because our, our hope is, is that you would take this sermon, this time in studying God's word, and use it as a little bit of a launch pad for your own personal study. That as you walk through the Bible this week, maybe some of these verses will pop up and you go, hey, I want to look at that more. Our website has a section is actually now on the homepage of when you first pop up, the, all the different helps you can have through the week and a uh, also a link to our podcast, which we do and it, uh, on, on our podcast and, and it comes across and, and we go deeper in God's word. Well, the Bible book of Romans is really a letter. It's a letter written by the apostle Paul to the church, that gathering of believers in Rome. Uh, and and this, this church was having a struggle. This gathering of believers was having a struggle. They were divided in a lot of ways. There were Jewish 
believers who had come out of the Jewish faith now believe in Christ as their savior. And there were Gentiles, those who didn't really have much of a background or a pagan background or whatever background, they came to Christ and now they're being together. And each one is a little bit battling with each other for the struggles that they have. Uh, they, they, they like their customs more than the other customs. So they felt their customs should be primary in the church. And the other felt their customs should be primary in the church in the same way with their practices. Then pride stepped in. Our way is best. We're better. We're God's chosen people. You're not. That prejudice hit the fan and power and control were all there. Sounds a lot like the church in the U.S. and around the world all today. It it just happens. Uh, Paul is now challenging them to unite, to unite under who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And Romans chapter 12 specifically looks at giving them these three reasons of the importance of the church, of this gathering together of unique believers and then giving them a number of practical actions to take on to get the most out of their connections, interactions, and engagements with fellow believers. For the relationship with fellow believers is an environment God uses to cause us to flourish. So let's look at these three reasons and see what practical actions we can take on. The first reason to the importance of the church is the church is an environment that encourages worship. Hopefully you have your Bible close by. It will be up on the screen as well, but it's always good to look through your Bible. Uh, Romans chapter 12, let me just read to you verses one and two first. This way that the, the church is a place that encourages worship. Paul writes, I appeal to you, the Roman church, and really all of us, Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The key word I want you to notice is to present. Uh, To present means to to step forward and to, to, to give yourself to worship is not just singing and about faith that we're to give our whole lives to God. That's worship. Worship is a heart set to give honor and glory and esteem and praise and adoration and allegiance to God. It's a choice to sacrifice. It's a choice to present. You ever seen those old movies where somebody goes, oh yes, and they bow and they go like this and like this and like this. You know why they do that? It's because they give in worship to that person, my heart, my soul, my being. And it's a sense that's what God says. Come to that place in your life where you're willing to sacrifice to God your heart, your soul, and your being. That all of God that you say to come to to him and the environment of the church is a great place for that. The ancient worship experience, they included animal and produce, first fruit sacrifice. It was a visual that honoring God is not passive. It's an active action on life and it takes sacrifice. Like attending worship gatherings, doing service projects, meeting with a life group, showing kindness to others are all opportunities to sacrifice our time, our energy, and our efforts. And for some of you who are not people persons, it's even more of a sacrifice. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 say to all, both extrovert and introvert, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, 
not neglecting meeting together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. The church provides a place to make those sacrifices and also including the giving of our resources, which we'll have an opportunity later on in our offering. It's a safe place, a good place. The practical application is to participate or the word here to present, to join in, to situate life and be part of it all. And sure, it can be awkward and uncomfortable and may be difficult at times, but as we make patterns and set rhythms for getting involved with God's people, we are better for it. It helps and challenges our thinking so we understand God better and know better how to live life his way. For the relationship with fellow believers is an environment God uses to cause us to flourish. So, so get involved. Try things out. Build friendships. Make the sacrifice to, to get to know each other. Be involved in a life group. Come to church early. And maybe even stay a little longer. Some have asked, Mike, Mike, we would do that if, if, if there was a good coffee ministry here. Some of you say amen, right? Okay, those who say amen, the reason we have not done that yet is not because of COVID any longer. It's because we're simply waiting for somebody and some bodies to step up for leadership in that. Someone to step up in leadership saying, hey, I will organize and get everything together and work at that. And then I'll organize and for others to volunteer their time. So not one person is doing it every week of the year. So if God is so laying that on you, take that connection card saying, hey, I will help out. Now here's where the rubber meets the road, right? <laughs> but that's why we're just waiting for God to raise someone up and say yes, because we know that's be a wonderful opportunity to sit and sip coffee and maybe eat as a donut and encourage each other because we need that time. We need to use our gifts and abilities. So try out a service project. See, to gain from the environment, you have to be in the environment. What does God challenge you in you in your worship, in your service? in your participation, in your presenting. The next reason and practice, practical action we can take on to live out the importance of the church is church is an environment that enhances belonging. Look now verses three to eight. For by the grace given to me, I say to you, everyone among you to not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of the faith that God has assigned. For as one body, speaking of the human body, as one body, we have many members and the members do not have, all have the same function. So though we many are one, in, are one body in Christ and individual members having one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proper in uh, proportion to our faith, if service in our serving as the one who teaches in teaching, the one who exhorts in their exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads, like in the donut ministry, God's telling, speaking to somebody here, I know. <laughs> with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. We are all like the human body where we fit together. 
of all of our different parts, like the human body, different parts, they all fit together and are interdependent. The heart pumps the blood into the different organs, the lungs breathe in the oxygen that gives it through the blood that moves through all the different, there's, there's uh, kidneys and, and uh, liver and all these different parts in our body. At Romans chapter 12 actually speaks of this, you know, the eye and the hand and all the different parts of the body. And then they're all different ones. There's one part of the body which we don't know what it is for. So therefore it's called the appendix. Now the truth is not every single person in the church is an appendix. We don't know what you do and you just kind of exist there. The problem is that appendix can, you know, cause a lot of problems for the whole body, right? So that's why you need to be a different part. Don't try to be the appendix. Actually, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 says, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit in your different parts for the common good. That we are put together, actually God orchestrated you to be here for such a time as this because there's something he wants you to do. Maybe the hospitality coffee donut ministry. I don't know. I don't know. But, but, but there, there's something he wants you to do. And, and our job is to figure that out and engage because in that engagement, there's belonging. The, the, the tightest connections are when we serve together. I mean, just think of those of you, if you've either been on one or heard about one, the, the, the connection of people on a service trip or ministry. See, when we engage and interact with fellow believers, it's called fellowship. Acts 2.42, when the church really first began this gathering of believers under Christ first began. They, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread in prayer. Fellowship is a, is a Greek word koinonia, meaning things in common, unified in purpose, interconnected, serving together. It's that team unity, that close family connection, that working together to help something succeed. And what koinonia looks like and, and can be seen is in the willingness to step in all the, the one another's of the scriptures. You know, there's 50 some verses that say the word one another and to do, one, do this. So let me give you an example, Romans 12, 10. It says, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. It's being devoted to one another. That's a commitment and a willingness to connect to reach over and say, hey, how you doing? Hey, what's your name? To connect with people, but also to interact, to have some kind of conversation about all kinds of things of life, to get to know each other better. That's an interaction. And then to also to move into engagement where we're actually sharing our heart with each other. And we learn some of the uniquenesses and we encourage one another. That's that connection. There are other one another's in scripture, like John 15, 17. These things I command you, Jesus says, so that you will love one another, we're to actually practice loving one another as we gather together. Uh, Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We're to help each other. To foster belonging or fellowship takes us taking on an inclusive attitude. See, we, we are a body or a group or a gathering that is to be accepting and welcoming to all people. Galatians 3.28 says, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, we are one in Christ. It's not simply to gather together in, in segmented groups. So sometimes those are okay. 
You know, birds of the feather flock together. We have a tribe, but it's also to be a place where we're welcoming to everybody, no matter what they're going through. The church should be the most diverse place in the community. And the reason why is because we need each other. We need each other's perspective and insight. We gain from each other in that way. We are inclusive as we learn others' story and we build relationships. That's being welcoming. Romans 15, 7, therefore welcome one another. Remember, he's telling this to the church in Rome that's not very welcoming. Oh, you're a Jew, you're a Gentile, I can't welcome you. No, he's saying welcome one another. Welcome the fact that you're different as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Just think about Jesus and how welcoming he was to all people, even people who were struggling, people who were sinners. Jesus welcomed them. That takes intention, going out of our comfort zone and interacting with someone different from us, age, ethnicity, education, occupation. So let's foster belonging and fellowship and be inclusive. For the relationship with fellow believers is an environment God uses to cause us to flourish. Belonging happens when we all connect with others to find our part. We can even do that on a Sunday morning. I mean, look around at the people around you, smile at them. Just that's one way to be welcoming. Let's keep connecting. The last reason in Romans 12 and practical actions we can take on to live out the importance of the church is the church is an environment that emboldens love. This emboldened love happens as we, as we move into three different areas. Man, I wish I could spend an hour on each one. But the first is to practice genuine love. Look at uh, Romans now, chapter 12, verses 9 to 13. Let love be genuine. That means as such a value that it cannot be taken away. Its value speaks of itself. It so shines out that it's authentic, that it just holds its own. You don't need to prove it, but you prove it by the way you act. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another, showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in the spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be consistent in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. Hospitality is being kind to strangers or being kind to people that are not like you. Genuine love is, yes, seeing evil for what evil is, and yet loving people regardless. Love means a family acceptance, even in the midst of people's struggle or sin. And sometimes that's hard. When somebody's going through a difficult time, we want to fold our hands or point our bony finger of judgment. And yet, we're not even capable of judging. We're to be accepting and loving. One of the worst things a church can do is to shun somebody who's struggling. I, I, I just talked to a, um, a fellow brother who's attending another church and um, he has to leave that church because someone in his family is struggling and yeah, they're struggling with a sin issue. But the church says, no, you cannot struggle with sin and be accepted here. 
Doesn't that sound not right to you? The greatest place you ought to deal with your issues is right here with people who love you and actually will walk with you in the midst of your struggle and help you along the way. I'm glad that our church is like that. We love people regardless. And I feel that there's genuine love here. It's honoring others with thought and time and attention. That's genuine love. It's being patient with people that are not like us. And yes, being hospitable, kind to people who are different, kind to strangers, or to be loving. Boy. Just think of an opportunity and an environment for someone to thrive. That's the place. In genuine love, that's when love is emboldened. The relationship with fellow believers is an environment God uses to cause us to flourish and it does embolden love. The next move is to empathize and do good. Look at verses uh, 14 to 16. Bless those who persecute you. Not, Not only do you show hospitality to people who are different than you, but now you're to bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Now remember, think of the Roman church. People on either side saying, you, 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 they're, they're, they're cursing them. And Paul says, no, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. That's having that empathy. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, thinking your way is the best. The worst place in that is worship style. Well, that's my worship style. That's my worship style. You know, God loves it all. He even loves country music. Don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. We are to bless, to want for and participate in God's goodness to another, not to curse or evoke judgment, even with those who are mean to us. No. Ouch, (laughs) because we want to judge. We want others to suffer. What do you do when you're wronged? Honestly, sometimes I don't really want for their good. But let's be people who bless, to show kindness, even when we're not shown kindness. Even when someone breezes by us, doesn't say hello, we're looking forward for their hello and they just forget and their mind is on something else and we get, oh, I get all mad. Now we, you know, we were mean. No, let's just bless and think the best as well to feel with people, to exercise that empathy muscle. And in all this, to live in harmony, that mutual love and care and encouragement. And that is going to, again, require a selflessness. Yet as we take on empathy and do good, the bold fragrance of love wafts out and relationships thrive. For the relationship with fellow believers is an environment God uses to cause us to flourish. One more move to embolden love. It's to don't retaliate, but be kind. Verses 17 to 21. 
Repay no one evil for evil. Just let that soak in. Repay no one evil for evil. But they were wrong to me. Do not repay, repay no one for evil for evil. But they, they were mean to me. So I'm going to shun them. Repay no one evil for evil. But give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. In other words, gonna, there's going to be time when you can't fix it. But you, you live peaceably with all, if possible. Beloved, verse 19, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink, not poisoned. For by so doing so, you heap burning coals on their head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In any group or gathering, people will do and say mean and insensitive things. I know I've done my fair share. Some not intentional, some intentional. Don't, don't be that way. Be kind and good and let the hurt and bitterness we carry, let it go. You know what the biblical word for letting go is? It's called forgiveness. Literally, it means let go. Let go of the grip that it has on you because if you grip so hard, it turns into bitterness and that's an even harder wall to break down. Let it go. God will deal with people who are not nice. It may not be in your time, but he will trust in him. Don't retaliate by not showing up or looking for allies as you share with others. Let it go. Sure, there will be conflict as... And yet we're to grow from that. Write down somewhere on your notes, Proverbs 27, 17. It says, iron sharpens iron, so one sharpens another. That we are in conflict. And then when you and two knives are brought together to sharpen, there's conflict. That friction sharpens. When we encounter conflict with each other, it can be that friction that sharpens us and encourages us. Look for that. It's there. It's working through the tough times that were sharpened for the relationship with fellow believers is an environment God uses to cause us to flourish. You see, plants flourish in the right environment. And so do we. Church is the environment God set up. And we each have a choice to be part of it or not. Church is an environment that encourages worship. So let's participate. Church is an environment that enhances belonging. So let's be inclusive Church emboldens love. So let's be that genuine love to each other and do good and be kind. For the relationship with fellow believers is an environment God uses to cause us to flourish. Will you pray with me? Father God, I, I thank you over and over and over again for this incredible body of believers called Neighborhood Church. Lord, I'm so thankful that you have brought us together. And Lord, we are inclusive and we want others to be included, like our, our Spanish congregation. Lord, what a great opportunity. Lord, I know I've already learned so much 
from Manuel, Pastor Manuel, and other believers, Lord. It's exciting as we integrate and encourage each other and learn from each other. We each have a unique perspective. Lord, help us to see the church as important enough to make those sacrifices, to present ourselves, heart, mind, body, and soul. And God, use this environment in our own lives so that we might worship you in spirit and in truth and grow and flourish in this environment. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.